The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. Well, here are a few of the headlines regarding the protests in Israel. Global protests grow after Israeli killing of Palestinian demonstrators. That's in The Guardian. Here's the New York Times. Israel kills dozens at Gaza border. Palestinians mourn dead in Gaza as protests continue. CNN. Over 50 Palestinians in massive protest are killed by Israeli army. Bloodiest day in Gaza since 2014 war. ABC News. Gaza begins to bury its dead after the daily, the deadliest day in years. BBC is doing the same in each. The spoken or unspoken subject of the sentence and the villain of the story is Israel. Innocent Palestinians murdered by the cruel Israelis. This is the narrative that the mainstream media has conjured up and is pushing out. Few have mentioned that the majority of the protesters that died were members of Hamas, the militant and highly anti-Semitic Sunni organization that has been labeled by foreign terrorist organization by the U.S. State Department. Foreign terrorist organization. Senior Hamas official told reporters, this is from them, that 50 of the 59 people killed in Monday's protests were members of Hamas. Now, that's a little different than just Palestinians, isn't it? As usual, the mention of such membership has been left out of the mainstream media's anti-Israel, pro-Hamas, pro-Islam extremist narrative. Now, maybe they think of Palestinians as underdogs and they, you know, just love a good scrap, but they aren't underdogs. This is coordinated And much of it is coordinated through Iran. And it's not hard to figure it out. All you have to do is listen to the original sources in Iran and in Gaza. Their outbursts have been glorified for so long, however, that it's impossible or near impossible to disagree with that narrative. But make no mistake. We do. I do. And if you don't, You should do your homework and figure out why. It's Thursday, May 17th. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America. Back in the studio and safe and sound is uh, Jason Buttrell, who is uh, our lead researcher and uh, head writer on the program. And we're we're thrilled to have you back, Jason, you and Dan Andros. Um, It was uh, a little dicey. You guys were you were down at the Gaza Strip and tell us what you saw. Uh, at the Gaza Strip, we saw a whole lot of uh, press basically covering the same exact story. It was uh, it was really kind of an interesting thing to, to look at, covering you know international news and breaking news in that matter. I I think I saw the IDF spokesman answer questions from maybe twenty foreign uh, 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 media outlets, and they all were asking the same questions, and it basically kind of uh, cornered or, or centered around. You know, with all of the, you know, pomp and circumstance of the U.S. Embassy, you know, what do you got to say about, you know, mowing down all of these Palestinians? Every single one of them. And I actually felt, I felt pretty sorry for the IDF spokesman. And he 
the, the guy, bless his heart, you know, held his bearing pretty well, but answered him, you know, frustratingly, but he answered them truthfully. But that, of course, was not the line of questioning that uh, that we asked him. Yeah. So the the problem is, and you saw this, the the, the media, they travel as a group. And so there is groupthink. And they're all going for the same story. And nobody is stepping back like you did. Um, stepping back behind the line and saying, look at these sheep. Look at what they're doing. Instead, you said, what are we missing? That was and that was pretty much the theme for the entire thing. And it, it started from day one. It started from the from the moment we arrived. Uh, we we went down to go take a look at the embassy where they were setting all that up. Again, you saw the, you know, media robots that were setting up and doing the exact same reports. But we were like, you know what, let's let's go where the media is not. Let's let's start there. Maybe we'll, you know, get a better sense of the story and let's see where it leads. So the very first night we did that, we went back into where the youth was, where the where kind of the hipper area of Jerusalem. And we immediately ran across a 300, 300 to 500 strong uh, protest walking through the streets of, of downtown Jerusalem. And they were protesting the embassy? They were protesting the embassy. They were protest. They were pro, you know, two-state solution. It was okay. like your typical. Basically what it looked like, it looked like Occupy Wall Street picked up their tents, you know, and their dreadlocks and moved over towards Jerusalem for a weekend. Okay. That's exactly what it looked like. And they were Israelis? Um, maybe some of them. There was a, we spoke to a woman from Canada that came down from there. Mm-hmm. We, uh, there was a, there was a, a Korean group that, that went down there. There was people coordinating that spoke many different languages. How, who, who was coordinating this? So this was coordinated by a group that is associated with the Progressive Alliance. They're, mm. they're imagine that. They're a global, uh, you know, kind of pan-socialist movement. Um, but they have an alliance that's very strong in Europe um, they are also allied with the Israeli uh, Labor Party, which is the very socialist, very socialist. They have a youth group that was kind of uh, manning this called the Young Guard. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I have a ton of notes that I cannot wait to go to my desk after this interview and look into. I'm pre- I'm pre- I, I don't think I'm going to be surprised when I find out who funds these people. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, I don't think you will. I, I, I don't I, think you will. It's the same old song and dance and players and all these. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it was it was actually it was just it was just amazing seeing how you know you Glenn did a, did a, has have said for, I don't know for the past five or plus years or so how leftists and Islamists would, would kind of work together, not mm-hmm. actually coordinating with, with each other, but basically saying the same things towards the same goals. They would look at each other as the enemy of my enemy is my friend. They're not going to be pals, but they're going to work together. Even if it's uncoordinated, they will work together because they both want the destabilization of the system. And what else? Do, and that's exactly what they were getting. And they tried to do it there in Israel. And I t- there were there were demonstrations planned all over the embassy. There were demonstrations planned in East Jerusalem, all over the old city. Not a single one of them got out of hand. And we talked to the 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 IDF uh, guy that was in charge of all the security, and he said, "Look, we've been planning this for months. We knew this was going to happen. The uh, the pro- we've permitted certain protests." Um, and the media was very, very quick to jump on those. But what they didn't report was is that stability was maintained, and it was maintained peacefully. It was peaceful in East Jerusalem, of all places. We actually sent Dan Andros, a poor guy, to the Damascus Gate because there was supposed to be something that would go down there. He was there for about three-plus hours. Nothing happened. Nothing happened because they were, they were prepared. That was all peaceful. Everyone in Jerusalem really felt fine, but they were actually being prepared to shut down their schools, to shut down their shops, and to go completely dark that day. But they didn't have to. Now, the places where it did get crazy, the day that it actually, the embassy opened, we left that area because the media was just all over it, and we went to Bethlehem. 
So Bethlehem is under Palestinian authority control. Israelis can't even go there. It's, it's, it's against the law for them to go there. So we got into that area and we saw a Palestinian riot in progress. They were trying to tempt the uh, IDF into attacking them and getting, and getting rowdy and crazy. They were unsuccessful, but we waited right in there with them. It's interesting. They actually led us. They, they brought us, when they saw that we were filming, they brought us right to the front line area where they were, had their barricades and everything. Because they thought you were going to be sympathetic to their cause. That's exactly what they thought. Okay. Because and would you have been sympathetic if it was peaceful? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. But they're used to every single camera that comes by that is sympathetic to their viewpoint, right? Every everybody who's actually covering this and goes near these people are saying, "Hey, this is this is great. You guys are doing. You guys are on the right side of history." Right. Exactly. That's what they're used to. But that's obviously not what we saw. That's not. I don't know how you can report it otherwise. They were tearing apart the city streets. They were tearing apart uh, buildings. They were, you know, fashioning these like catapults to like sling down towards the soldiers. They were doing everything in their power to provoke a hostile uh, response. But the IDF responded with non uh, non um, uh, lethal lethal force every single time. Like that's always, and that's something you don't hear at the border. That's something that we saw at the Gaza border. They always respond very first and foremost with non lethal. You'll see this uh, in some of our footage when we release it. They always start with tear gas, which I had tear gas covered in uh, all over me. It was awful. But they always start with the tear gas. Then if they have to uh, disperse further, they, they shoot these. They're not even bullets, but they're like these rubber balls mm-hmm. that go down the street. That's always what they do. But, but what they do, if that's not successful, they move further and further up to the IDF. They, they, put the, they fashion these like wooden barricades. They go all the way up to see if they can provoke a response. When that doesn't happen... They get tear gas, they disperse, they rinse and repeat, they try it all over again. Those are not peaceful protests. Those are meant to manipulate people like us that were there. It's meant to manipulate the media. That's what that was for. Of course, they did not get that from us, but that's what it's for. So you have to, I know you've been out of the States, but you have to listen to the audio that we played um, yesterday. In fact, Sarah, if you have it, the NPR audio, you were there, so you saw the Nazi kites? Yeah. Okay. So listen to this from uh, from NPR. This is the way NPR covered this. And we've also encountered Ahmed al-Bordani, who is 19 years old, and when we saw him was holding a homemade white kite. Would you describe what that is? This is a kite that's going to go to the Jews. He said it's designed to float over the Israelis and catch fire. It was decorated with writing claiming Jerusalem for Palestinians and also with swastikas. What does this thing mean to you? Why do you put that on there? The Jews go crazy for Hitler when they see it. The Israelis know that people are flying kites with swastikas. They know this. And they use it to discredit you to say this shows you're bad people. What do you think about that? This is actually what we want them to know, he says, that we want to burn them. Gosh. He was even leading that interview to start. Yeah. Oh, That's yeah, totally. insane. He totally wanted to give him an out. You know? Yeah. Oh, oh, well, you know, it, that was his intent was to give him an opportunity to show why he wasn't hatred, why he wasn't a hater, and he still couldn't take it. <laughs> this is exactly what disgusted us as we were there seeing these. Like that, this is that was running rampant the entire time. That 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 kite that, that they were that they were showing. Those are also they're not just messages to send to the Israelis. They're also weapons. 
And no one will report on that. They're, they're weapons. We did. We were there, right, when we, were, when we were down there. That same design. That So what that is, basically, it's like a they take sticks and they fashion them together. And they put, um, like, basically plastic, plastic bags. And then they fashion a, uh, like a like a flaming like fuel bomb onto the bottom of those. And that's how they attack the IDF frontline positions. We actually saw one of those as they came down right after it attacked and dropped its payload. And they made you take it apart. And yeah, and they t- <laughs> took it apart. And I don't know how I actually got through customs with this thing because it's got tear gas and fuel and all kinds of stuff. But we actually did. This is a, this is actual piece of that kite. Um, the one that had the, uh, the weapon attached to it. Um, and so they, they fly them over uh, is for the front lines. Cause I've also, yeah, you can see it's melted. Um, but you, but they, but they also are trying from what I understand, trying to burn down the crops on the other side. Oh yeah. Th- so that, that's, that's another, there's a whole, uh, uh, IDF, uh, fire department, uh, le- uh, you know, section of the, of the military is to, uh, um, attached there and that's their sole job. In fact, if you look out all over the no man's land, basically after the, you know, the border, it's all burnt up. It's all burnt up. But it's it's a beautiful area on the on you know the west and the east on the on, on the flanks of this area. Mm-hmm. It's all farmland. But those kites are sent out specifically to take those out, and the firefighters have to run out there and put it out before it gets too crazy. Can we talk about how your flight got into LaGuardia, New York, uh, last night and was overbooked? <laughs> And you had to come directly here from the airport on no sleep. I prefer not to talk about that, <laughs> but I can see it in your eyes. Like a, you can, you're almost falling asleep in the middle of these sentences. Well, why do they sell a seat if it's going to if they know it's already sold? <laughs> that makes no sense to me. It's infuriating. It's yeah. infuriating. You sell the amount of seats you have. You know why? It's a juice. <laughs> oh yeah, always. Yeah. It's it's the juice. Clearly, <laughs> uh, we'll have video of some of the things that you have seen tonight at five o'clock. And welcome back. I'm glad you're back safe. Thank you. Thanks. It's amazing how new blinds can transform completely the look of your home, the feel of your home. Tanya and I experienced this uh, when we became a customer of Blinds.com. We've been a customer for years. Um, you know, if 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 the blinds or the shades or the shutters, the drapes in your house have seen better days, uh, you, you know what? You might want to change them. Uh, we connected with blinds.com. We did a FaceTime session. They took pictures of the house. They superimposed the pictures of the, the curtains that we wanted. Tanya and I, I, we cannot stop raving about blinds.com and you will find the same experience. Blinds.com will send you free samples to make sure it's just what you want. In case you accidentally pick the wrong color or mismeasure, they're going to remake your blinds for free. Plus, every order gets free shipping. Their prices are the best, and right now, they're even better. Find out for yourself why Blinds.com is the number one online retailer of custom window coverings. And for a limited time, now through May 22nd, buy one, get one 50% off. That's now through May 22nd. Buy one and get the second 50% off site-wide at blinds.com slash back. That's blinds.com slash back. Glenn Beck. We have people coming into the country or trying to come in. We're stopping a lot of them. But we're taking people out of the country. You wouldn't believe how bad these people are. These aren't people. These are animals. And we're taking them out of the country at a level and at a rate that's never happened before. Mm. And because of the weak laws, they come in fast. We get them. We release them. We get them again. We bring them out. It's crazy. The dumbest laws, as I said before, the dumbest laws on immigration in the world. Mm. So we're going to take care of everyone. He 
hates Mexicans. Do you hear yeah, that? No, no. Do you hear that? He, he just came yeah, out and he said. Yeah, that's, the, pl- that's the, the clip that everybody's playing. Right. I'm looking at the New York Times right now. They just tweeted, Trump lashed out at undocumented immigrants during yeah. the White House meeting. No, he Calling didn't. those trying to breach the country's borders animals. It's unbelievable. He's just taking, he's calling all Mexicans trying to cross the border animals. Could we? It's because he doesn't like brown people. Could that's we? why. Could we? He does not like people who are Could different, we? who are others. <laughs> right. Could we play the clip in its context? All of it, please. We'll take care of it, Monica. Thank you. Why, we'll, there we'll could win. be an MS-13 gang member I know about. If they don't reach a certain threshold, I cannot tell ICE about them. We have people coming into the country or trying to come in. We're stopping a lot of them. But we're taking Wait. people out of the country. You wouldn't believe how bad these people are. Hmm. These aren't people. These are animals. Okay, so we're taking uh, them out of the country. Just a second. I would just like to point out, in the context, he was answering a question about MS-13. He wasn't talking about just anybody. The reporter was asking a question. What's that, MS-13, Mexican Citizens 13? Is that what MS-13 is? No, it's a, if I may, <laughs> it's an international criminal gang originated in Los Angeles, California in the 1980s. The gang spread to many parts of the continental U.S., Canada, Mexico, and Central America, is active in urban and suburban areas. Most members are of Central American origin, principally El Salvador. Uh, members are characterized by the tattoos covering their body, including their face. They use their own sign language, yada, yada, yada. Their cruelty, their cruelty has distinguished the members of this gang. They are notorious for their violence, a subcultural moral code based on merciless retribution. This is one of the most dangerous, violent, and evil group of animals that you can find. They have permeated. Uh, our major cities now because we are not paying attention to them and we have our borders open now let's see they are mainly from uh let's see el salvador where did i have this they're mainly from el salvador guatemala gee wait a minute where were those people from central america remember when they were Hmm. They were coming in and they were storming the border. They were mainly young men from Guatemala. Interesting. Yeah, very, very interesting. And this is a real thing, by the way, uh, that happened and that the media is really trying to make it sound like he called all undocumented immigrants animals. Uh, When you look at the context, he's clearly talking about MS-13. He has used the exact same word to describe MS-13 multiple times. In the past, Mm -hmm. everyone in the media reporting this today knows he was talking about MS-13, a gang, when he called them animals. And they're reporting it that way anyway because they're being dishonest. Again, you can have problems with Trump. There are things you can criticize with him. But why would you go to these lengths when the exact sentence before the clip you're highlighting completely disproves your point completely shows that you are lying because they know no one in the media that has access to everyone will say anything 
they all know they're all playing the same thing we have to stick together we have to retweet Mm. the truth we have to facebook the truth you've got a question with boldness do your own homework and then be the carrier of the truth this is the glenn beck program we have people coming into the country trying to come in we're stopping a lot of them but we're taking people out of the country. You wouldn't believe how bad these people are. These aren't people. These are animals. And we're taking them out of the country at a level and at a rate that's never happened before. And because of the weak laws, they come in fast. We get them. We release them. We get them again. We bring them out. It's crazy. The dumbest laws, as I said before, the dumbest laws on immigration in the world so we're going to take care of it you can't believe how bad these people are there's two uh two sides to this one i can't believe how bad the press is how bad these people are they all know he was talking about msn uh, ms13 uh, but he refuses they refuse to report that they're saying that he's just lumping all immigrants into it that's not what he was talking about the context comes literally from the sentence before that clip. But there are some really bad people coming across the border. And one of the guys who knows about it uh, is Philip Haney. He is uh, Phil Haney is, I think, an American patriot and a hero. He was one of the charter members of uh, the Department of Homeland Security, author of the book, See Something, Say Nothing, a Homeland Security officer exposing the government's submission to jihad. Welcome to the program, Phil. How are Good you? Good morning. Thank you. Yeah, Phil has. Phil is a. Uh, Phil is a remarkable patriot who has seen a lot and tried to s- uh, stop things on the border. Phil, wh- what's happening? In April, fifty thousand people came across the border illegally, and it broke into the news about the cabinet meeting when President Trump became upset, angry at Secretary of Homeland Security, Kirsten Nielsen, he asked her, paraphrasing, why are we still having 50,000 people? This is an MS-13. This mm-hmm. is a whole is spectrum of yeah. people coming over the border every month. And essentially, she didn't know the answer. What is the answer? Well, first of all, we need to allow the Customs and Border Protection Officers and ICE and Border Patrol to actually do their job and not catch and release, be able to track people who are put on deferred hearings. Mm -hmm. If we do keep somebody, they are supposed to come for their hearing and they disappear into the ozone. We don't Mm -hmm. know where they go. We need to do a better control uh, job of controlling currency flow back and forth. There's a lot of ways we can fix holes in the system, but I am hopeful. The fact that President Trump is actually upset about this is a very positive sign. You are a um, uh, you're a uh, a hero to the Border Patrol. A lot of people in the Border Patrol because you were one of the guys who you actually wrote the questions for people who are uh, from terrorist countries. Uh, you are the one who wrote the questions that they're asked. I created a template. Because one of the things that happens in law enforcement is you are vulnerable to lawsuit if they 
consider you to be biased mm-hmm. or discriminatory. Mm-hmm. So a way to solve that is to ask everybody exactly the same questions. Right. And the questions that you you have, I know it's I think it's in your book where the Border Patrol thanks you for stopping 300 people who are terrorist ties, uh, 300 people from coming coming across the border because now listen to this. Because of the work that you were doing in San Bernardino before the shooting. That's right. It's called the Tablighi Jamaat Initiative. Tablighi Jamaat is is a group from the Indian subcontinent. They are pro-jihad Salafi, which means Mm -hmm. original form of Islam. You look at Tablighi, you're looking at what Islam looked like in the 7th century. Okay. They're coming into America. They're violating or abusing our visa waiver system. They travel around from mosque to mosque in groups of three to five, encouraging their brethren to become more Salafi, more like Muhammad was. Well, we started noticing this trend in 06, 12 years ago. I work on the case for several years, and finally it gains enough momentum to send me to the National Targeting Center in Washington, D.C., where we have 1,200 law enforcement actions based on this case in the first nine months. That's refusals of entries, denials of visas. That's called law enforcement action. During the course of this work, I was given a a commendation letter for finding 300 terrorists related to this case, just that case. But in March of 2012, the State Department in cooperation with Janet Napolitano, Department of Homeland Security, shut the case down, despite all the evidence and the good work that we were doing. And that might have never been known, except for one horrible thing that happened, the San Bernardino shootings. And in the morning that the news broke, and they showed the picture of the man, Syed Farouk, and his wife, Tashfeen Malik, and then showed the mosque that he went to, Darulum al-Islamiyah, I felt like I got struck by a bolt of lightning. I just yelled out. I was in the room by myself. That's my case, because it was. And that set off a whole sequence of events that is still going on to this very day. It's really what led me to you today. So was this the, this was, would if you would have pursued it, do you think those people would have been caught? Yes, I'll give you the first very plausible reason why. Tashfeen Malik, because of her association with Saeed Farouk, her husband, who was associated with the mosque, we already had derogatory information on them, meaning she would have never got a visa. And also, we know that the FBI was tracking Mar- Enrique Marquez, the man who supplied the guns and the bomb components, mm-hmm. and Saeed Farouk before the San Bernardino shootings ever happened. Why wasn't it pursued? For the same reasons that Omar Mateen was being investigated by the FBI but never communicated with CBP. We encountered him crossing the border. They were interviewing him, and we never connected the dot. There's a, I, thought a that's hole. What we, I thought that's what the Department of Homeland Security was for. It is. And it goes back to your starting question. I was talking about different kinds of holes, either actual or abstract. This is an example of a whole, the lack of communication between one federal law enforcement agency and the other allows literally people to walk right through the holes in the law enforcement structure. And they know the holes. They do know. They should know. It's, not, it's well within our capacity as law enforcement officers to amend that. 
uh, Phil, you uh, I know you don't know much about this case um, other than what you read in the news, but um, the case in Minneapolis where hundreds of millions of dollars in cash we know has left the country in Minneapolis. We suspect that it has been welfare fraud and uh, they're bilking the the taxpayers. They're loading it up in suitcases. They're going through. They're claiming literally $1 million in this suitcase, $1 million in this suitcase in cash. And the Department of Homeland Security, there's no law against that as long as you claim it. They claim it. They send it over to some of the worst parts of the world. There is a law against it. It has to do with outbound currency. I thought as long as you claim it, it's legal. Well, did they claim it? Yes, they did. Okay, so the question is, where did all that cash come from? Was it through legitimate enterprise? Was it through welfare fraud? Was it through selling, like Hezbollah has been doing, selling cigarettes at at low prices without the tax? It's All of it is called, in Arabic, the Hawala, Hawala Network. And this is the way... The Islamic world has been moving money around from place to place for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Isn't Hawala. Hawala. Isn't that the the law that gives them the right to lie to infidels? No, that word for that is taqiyah. Oh, taqiyah. Although it doesn't actually mean lie. It means defensive response. Might that include lying? Yes. But if you were in a debate with a native Arabic speaking Muslim, he would say you were wrong, that you didn't know what you were talking about. And in a certain technicality, he would be right because it doesn't technically mean lying. It means defensive response, which includes a whole spectrum of different things that you might do, including lying. Are there more people like you in the Department of Homeland Security? I know you're no longer with them. Are there people like you that are still in there fighting and because I know I, we first met during the Obama administration, and it was ugly. And you were on Capitol Hill when I was on Capitol Hill, and Trump was on Capitol Hill, and Ted Cruz was on Capitol Hill, saying no to this Iran deal. Yes. Turns great out to day, be right. Wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It's nice to be on the right side of history, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so uh, here we are now years later. You're no longer a part of Department of Homeland Security because they were, they were rooting people like you out. Are we going the other direction? Yeah, there's a lot of things to be hopeful for within the different departments, DHS, DOJ, uh, directives and policy decisions that have been put in memo form mm-hmm. and sent up the chain of command or down the, down into the, uh, the widespread agency that I've been collecting that are starting slowly to thaw the ice, if you want to put it that way. Yes, I have reason for hope, more probably than since 2006. That's the first time I was investigated for, believe it or not, writing an open source article about Hamas, a globally designated terrorist organization, and my own agency with the CIA accused me of using or unethical use of classified information to write the article without ever asking me how I came to the conclusions. They should have asked me to come and work for them. <laughs> but they did the opposite. They, they investigated me. And that started a 10-year process of uh, sequential investigations that got worse and worse. If you want to uh, see how our government has been working uh, and see what our government is hiding, 
along with the documents uh, that prove this out, see, see something, say nothing. Uh, it's the name of his book. And uh, I cannot speak highly enough of Phil uh, for reasons that won't be discussed here. Um, but he is a true patriot and has more information stuffed in his head and in his book that Americans need to see, read, and understand. Your company is called The Blaze. There's a spark. That's an ignition. There's one going on across the country now, I can tell you. Yeah, there is, and there's. it's happening all around the world. Did yes. you see this morning what's happening mm-hmm. in Iran? This is, this is like the shattering of a mirror for the rest of the world. The recognition of Jerusalem is set in sequence a motion of all kinds of changes. It's like the the uh, gravitational force, the magnetic field of the earth has shifted. Yeah. And a lot of the masks are coming off yeah. of uh, our adversaries and their true colors are being shown not over in a corner, but right out on the global big screen. It's quite remarkable yeah. the times we're in. The question is, will those in power recognize it? Will the media, I mean, look what the media is doing to Iran. Uh, I mean, sorry, to, yes, well, actually Iran, but Israel. This yes, week. with Hamas, a globally yeah. designated terrorist organization <laughs> that they're supporting. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? You know, when when uh, Neville Chamberlain held that paper up mm-hmm. and said, we'll have peace in our time, history is like a fearsome woman. If she fastens her eye on you and she doesn't blink, if she finds you on the wrong side of history for too long, she'll turn you into a stone and you will never be able to change. Everybody that thinks of Neville Chamberlain thinks of that picture. There are people now in positions of power or perilously close to being turned into stone for eternity. Wow. Thank you, Phil. God bless you. Thank you so much for all of your hard work. The name of the book is See Something, Say Something. A Homeland Security's officer exposes the government's submission to jihad. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, sorry. The name of the book is See Something, Say Nothing. Thank you, Stu. Um, Liberty Safe. Liberty Safe is the best safe built on the planet, bar none. Now at Liberty Safe, you can buy a Liberty Safe at a great price and receive 12 months interest free payments with zero down and zero APR. They even offer Liberty Safes for as low as $20 a month. You been in Cabela's? Anything that's marked Cabela Safe? It's a Liberty. Uh, They build the safes that America uses, keeps their guns, keeps their valuables, and they're in it. You just don't open these things up unless you have the combination. Peace of mind, lifetime warranty, in-home service delivery that is unmatched in the industry. That's what comes when you buy a Liberty Safe. So buy a Liberty Safe now. Go to LibertySafe.com. That's LibertySafe.com. Act now and you'll be able to buy it for as little as $20 a month. LibertySafe.com. Home of the best built safes on the planet. It's LibertySafe.com. Glenn Beck. It's going to be a tough weekend for Stu. Very tough weekend. Uh, The girl he's been in love with and had a relationship with for 17 years is getting married. Or seven, seven seven years. Sorry, not 17. Well, I know. You know, it's a little ridiculous. Seven years. Seven uh, years. Yep. She's, uh, you know, she's over, uh, I guess some people have uh, covered it, actually. She's uh, going over to the U.K., uh, she's got a wedding going on. Hey, yeah. you, you, they're going to cover it on the news, I guess. Now, you whatever. were upset because she already married a man in Seattle, right? Yeah, it's, it's an odd thing. I, I don't know if it's because they're two different countries, but she actually <laughs> recently was married. Um, I mean, I don't know how 
this hairy guy missed this big wedding, but she already moved to Seattle and was married very recently. Yeah. Um, in fact, just a few weeks it ago. It could be that that was a TV show that you fell it, in well, love yeah, with they did, you, the, Because both, you have of, a, both weddings will happen. You have a thing on, for her? Or is she both like, weddings will happen on, on television. They'll both be covered, yeah. Right. I mean, she's, you know, she's a very uh-huh. prominent figure. Right. And, and one of the reasons why I've stayed so close to her this whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, in, it's important, I think. I, I, I am odd. It's odd to see... You have one person who I guess she doesn't even seem to have a, a current job. I mean, seems to be an unemployed person. She's marrying over in the yeah, UK. Yeah, he's a he's a and prince. then the guy she married before was is an accomplished lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. well, although he had a criminal type. past, right. uh, okay. so that was a little, right. it's a little okay questionable. Alrighty, I, it is interesting to see that they. I'm talking about the show Suits, by the way, mm-hmm. on USA, which just ended had a season finale, and um, she got married. And she didn't. They didn't exploit. They it. didn't exploit. It. I would have. Been, that's Why? all they would have talked about. There would have, every commercial on USA for six months should have been. We're going to have the princess the, in our show, and it's she's, the queen. It's the Gettys. Yeah. It's the Rothschilds. They control television. It must that's be. What, that that's must what be what it. It, is. it must be it. Glenn Beck. Welcome to the Cheesecake Factory. That's right, the Cheesecake Factory, where we're going to. Help you keep America great again, unless you believe that has anything to do with Donald Trump or you wear a hat in. You wear a Make America Great hat into the Cheesecake Factory, at least the one in the Dadeland Mall in Miami, Florida, and we're going to abuse you. We're going to abuse you like nobody's business. That's what happened. 22 year old Eugenia uh, Joseph, he was accosted for wearing his Make America Great hat again. Now, I want, you to, I want you to think of this. This is on Mother's Day. As Mr. Joseph was having a Sunday meal with his girlfriend's family, it started with just one employee. The employee walked by, saw the hat, and said, Wow, I am offended. And then the I am offended superpowers kicked in. According to witnesses, the woman called over other Cheesecake Factory employees to help her heckle the guy wearing the hat. They all puff themselves up like roosters ready to fight. Another employee called Eugenior, who, well, I'll save this. Well, no, I'll tell you. He's black. And uh, Eugenior, uh, there with the Make America Great Again hat, as a black man is sitting there, and one of the cheesecake factories uh, called him the N-word. In front of witnesses. You know, it's ironic because that is, I would bet, the last word many black people heard before they died, usually in a violent way. You know, when they're surrounded by a group of people taunting them. It was a lynch mob. But, you know, everybody was wearing their nice aprons and everything. And so they, you know, they were, they were the, the you know, nicely um, uh, quaffed. Uh, apron-wearing waitresses and waiters and hostesses and hosts berating a man for his clothing. Even the kitchen employees joined in. Now, he tried to get up and leave the table. Can you imagine? He tried to get up and leave the table, but the employees kept heckling him and making threatening gestures. Now, I don't know if anyone here picked up on the irony of the whole thing. That by acting so ridiculous and bullying, they have now converted a whole new wave of people who are sick of Trump derangement syndrome. 
the people in the in the restaurant were appalled. How silly and maniacal they must have looked. It was a modern day lynching. Yes, where's the media on this one? Where are you? If this would have happened to an Obama supporter, it would have held the news for weeks. Here is a black man who supports Donald Trump, who an entire restaurant crew surrounded, called him the N-word, belittled, berated, and held him in place so he couldn't leave the restaurant. It was a lynching. But it was a lynching, shockingly, at a cheesecake factory. It's Thursday, May 17th. This is the Glenn Beck Program. It's incredible, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. It is. Now, the Cheesecake Factory has come out with a statement, and they are saying, part, they're admitting parts of that but not mm-hmm. admitting to the whole story. They said that there was just a staff meeting. That was not a bunch of people harassing him. It was just a staff meeting. It was a staff meeting. Yeah, out in that general mm-hmm. area. Then that happens. So wait, two black men go into a Starbucks and they actually do something against policy. The police are called and Starbucks shuts down all of the Starbucks <laughs> so they can talk about it. Right. Cheesecake. And they give fact. how much money? Uh, not to mention right. the city gives hundreds of thousands of dollars Correct. towards various charities. The, the, there's some un, there's some large settlement that happens with these two African-American gentlemen from uh, from Starbucks itself. A lot a lot happens as a result of that. And those guys were completely in the wrong. Yes. Now that you can argue that the end situation like that you could argue that the response was not correct yes right although again i'm not exactly sure why starbucks gets uh, beat up for that considering i don't know if people know this in this country starbucks doesn't get to tell the police what to do they don't get to tell the police make sure you arrest that person the police make that decision so again i don't understand why starbucks is at fault for that incident and starbucks takes takes all of it and then blows it way out of proportion. Yep. On their own fault. And yet this one, a black guy, goes into a cheesecake factory and they're like, no, it, it wasn't that bad. Was it worse than what happened at Starbucks? Was it at least what happened at Starbucks? And there was absolutely oh no violation of policy, no. of law, or nope. anything. The guy wore nope. a red hat. Unbelievable unbelievable well here let me give you some good news let me give you some good news hi i love i love you're gonna love you're gonna love me for bringing the next three stories to you you're gonna love each one of them is a delicious a, a delicious taste of something that you haven't tasted in a very long time you've got tasty morsels i've got course after course of tasty morsels mm. for you all right they all revolve around seattle today all right seattle Cut ties with Wells Fargo. Now, this happened February 2017. The city was outraged that they could even do business with a with a company like Wells Fargo that didn't care about water. Hmm? Huh? What? They didn't care about water? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they didn't care about water. 
They didn't care about water. They didn't care about people. They only cared about money. They're despicable. And Seattle as a city will not do any business with Wells Fargo. In fact, any investments we have, we're not going to invest in anything that goes through Wells Fargo. We don't want their crappy banking services. We want nothing to do with Wells Fargo. And the city socialist cheered. Yeah, because we love clean water. Hmm? <laughs> First of all, it's a bank. The primary role of a bank is to hold money. Yeah, but, so well, the they fact were fund- that they, they care were, about money is probably a they good were, thing. They but, were helping the funding of the Dakota Access Pipeline, you see. Oh, okay, and that's why they pulled out. Yeah. Mm. Water is life! Water is life! Water is life! That's what everybody was screaming at the city council in the city. Water is life! And the city council, all right, we're going to get away from Wells Fargo. You're right! Water is life! Are you enjoying this so far? So far, I'm very interested in where this is going. Um, yesterday, uh, they, Seattle announced that they have reversed their course and they have just signed a new, is water no longer life? They have just signed a new three-year agreement with Wells Fargo for all of their banking services. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Really? Why is, what other bank would take them? No other bank would take them? No other bank would take their business. Why wouldn't any other bank take their business, and why would Wells Fargo want it? Well, the city the the city is resolved. Uh, you know, they said the reality is, um, you know, the other banks, uh, you know, didn't bid for our services, and it's you know given us time to to shift and <laughs> um, uh, and to really look at things, and we've decided that Wells Fargo is the best uh, the best option for the city of Seattle. So they were against Wells Fargo until they needed them. Yeah. And then the moment Uh, they needed them. Can you imagine? Oh, let's just, let's savor this. Take this and do not swallow this. Do not swallow this. Roll this around in your mouth for a while. Make sure you taste every bit of it. Smell it. Mm, Let the aroma of their humiliation just roll over your palate. Where are they? Where they had to yesterday, somebody walked in to somebody's office and said, okay, uh, nobody else is bidding for our business. I think we have to go back to Wells Fargo after two years. Oh, oh. That's probably the only mm. reason Wells Fargo wanted the deal oh is just my. to put it in their face. Oh, my. Oh, my. Is that just delicious? <laughs> By the way, did you? Uh, By the way, they. They said when they dropped Wells Fargo that this was a beacon of hope and Seattle would carry this beacon of hope that that, that, that these this 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 socialist movement in Seattle would not would not fold. Wow. And then the second they needed anything done, they, they did fold. Yeah, well, they, you know, they, 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 you know, none of the, none of the other banks were interested in taking the business because, uh, well, uh, eleven of the major banks were also involved in the pipeline, and they're like, mm, yeah, I don't. I mean, why do we want your headache? Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, why deal with it? And good, they, and this is this is the bed you've made, right? Uh, I'm sure when you were uh, watching. 
the uh, East uh, Western Conference Finals last night, you probably saw the commercials uh, by Wells Fargo. Uh, uh, yeah, of course yeah. I did. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. Uh, did they, because I may have missed something in the news, were, did they start a death camp somewhere? Oh, uh, did they, my. Did they... Uh, did they no, I didn't gas the a bunch of children in Africa? I did not see the ad. Did they inject uh, homeless people with disease? Uh, these ads they're running, I don't... Didn't they... Isn't the breadth of their controversy over the past couple of years that they created some fake accounts and then deleted them and no customer in the end wound up losing any money? Isn't that the entire breadth? They acted and these these spots make it sound like they were executing puppies. Like they make it sound like we had. Sarah, this... can you get the can you get the ad? Because I, you know, did you when see I, this? No, I didn't. And when I saw the when I saw the Wells Fargo thing, I went immediately. To, I went immediately to their Facebook page. Okay, and I was, I was like, they've got to be celebrating. I mean, I, I could not. <laughs> they've got to be like, ha ha, Seattle. But they weren't. They weren't. But I read uh, their Facebook wall. Oh my gosh. It is like they are Mangala. I guess I was like, what? what? And they were all referencing this commercial, and they were, but they were saying it like, "You think that commercial gets you out of trouble? (laughs) We'll never forget if you're the last bank on earth. I don't. I'll set my money on fire before I bank with you. Yeah, right. I've talked to the people in Seattle. I've had trouble with the scandal the entire time." With Wells Fargo, because okay, let's take it. Let's take it. I don't know. This is a total. I know. Total, this is I know it's Seattle a Seattle thing. I know, but I would like to hear the commercial, and then I I have to read some of the things on their wall. It's unbelievable what people are saying about <laughs> Wells Fargo. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Do. I'm not a fan of Wells Fargo, but I'm not also. It's yeah. a bank. It's man. a bank. It's a bank. But people are so ready to hate all banks. It's unbelievable. I, I honestly thought if I had a legitimate problem with Wells Fargo, what am I going to say? Hey, make sure you put it on their Facebook wall. They don't care. No, they're calling them baby. Well, not baby killers because, well, baby killers in this uh, in this society is OK. They're calling them everything under the sun. There's no legitimate complaint that is going to phase them now because I'm like, <laughs> I don't care. You see what else they're calling us? they're they're blaming us for what's happening on the israeli border what else we have like dozens of companies that did business directly with adolf hitler that are still massive companies in this country crops (laughs) enjoy your coffee i think crops made the crematoriums wait there was cream (laughs) dark it's nuts it's nuts okay my apology for the Krups thing. I know they were involved. I'm not sure they made the actual crematorium. Okay. Not sure they made the actual crematoriums, but they were involved. Anyway, uh, tornadoes in Alabama, earthquake and volcano eruption in Hawaii. Three earthquakes in four days off the coast of Oregon. And have you seen the commercial with Wells Fargo? <laughs> the world is coming to an end. Did you see the, the riots today in, uh, in um, Iran? And it's, I think it's because of the uh, the embassy opening up and because the people in Iran know that this president will stand with them. They, they, we could be heading for a topple of Iran. It's crazy. The world is, I mean, there's some good things to report and some really scary things to report. 
Wait, you haven't had the second course of Seattle yet, so. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know. Anyway, if things go hell in a handbasket, how are you going to survive? If, if you know, your power is lost or, you know, usual weather things. My Patriot Supply has the top-rated food kit millions of Americans, including my family, have chosen to prepare themselves for the inevitable disasters, the hurricane, and the emergencies. It's a four-week food supply that is now $99. That's a low price to pay for your security. It's shipped free to your door. So take action now, 800-200-7163, or go online at preparewithglenn.com. The food lasts 25 years in storage. It's 99 bucks. By the way, there's no labels on it or anything. So, you know, your postman's like, I know where I'm going today, trouble. 800-200-7163. Preparewithglenn.com. 800-200-7163. Preparewithglenn.com. Grandpa, I can't uh, help you with, with somebody, getting to the Facebook wall. Of somebody, I want to get to the wall of Fells, of, uh, of uh, Wells Fargo's Sorry. Facebook page. But, but give me uh, course two here on Seattle. No, 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 no. This is not McDonald's. Sir, you want your food fast. You go someplace else. Huh? <laughs> I'm willing to go uh, to the we counter. We have just given you a course of perfection. And uh, now you want to rush right into the next course? I do not think so. First, we cleanse your palate a bit. A little, little uh, sorbet, maybe a little raspberry sorbet, <laughs> a little peach sorbet, just to cleanse the palate a bit before your next course. I like to call this this masterpiece from our kitchen uh, Wells Fargo sorbet. You're going to make us is, wait. I'm going to make you wait just a little bit because I'm. Uh, let's savor. Let's savor the moment where the arrogant socialists in seattle just went off half cocked we're not doing any business with wells fargo we're pulling all of our money and our investments we are the beacon of hope and two years two years later they're still looking for a bank to take their business and everybody's like i ain't dealing with you people you're freaks <laughs> and uh, and so they had to go back hat in hand like hello wells fargo um you remember what we said because we're all socialist nutcases. Oh, well, um, we don't mean that so much anymore. So now last night, when I heard that story, I went on, to, uh, I went on Facebook and somehow or another, I magically found their wall. Uh, and I was just reading the comments and the comments are crazy. So they apparently premiered a, a commercial last night. That's the first time I have seen it. At okay. Reestablishment 2018. Here it is. We know the value of trust. We were built on it. Back when the country went west for gold, we were the ones who carried it back east. By steam, by horse, by iron horse. Over the years, we built on that trust. We always found the way. Until we lost it. But that isn't where the story ends. It's where it starts again. With a complete recommitment to you. Fixing what went wrong, making things right, and ending product sales goals for branch bankers. So we can focus on your satisfaction. We're holding ourselves accountable to find and fix issues proactively. Because earning back your trust is our greatest priority. It's a new day at Wells Fargo. But it's a lot like our first day. Wells Fargo. Established 1852. Reestablished 2018. 
So okay, so they lost trust, and now they they're going to gain it back. Okay, they had to reboot the entire bank. Well, it was. I, I'm just amazed it, by like I. I, feel I mean, like every was, time I turn the TV on, I'm seeing a commercial, a company just apologizing to me. I never learn anything about a product anymore. We're Starbucks. <laughs> We're Starbucks. Two guys yeah. came in to have a cup of coffee, except they didn't want a cup of coffee. They just wanted to use our crapper. We told them no. Yeah. Crappers are for paying customers. We called the police. They refused to leave. They were taken out in handcuffs by the police. We're sorry. Right. Right. It's that we're going to get that from Starbucks, I'm sure, in the next uh, few months. Did, would you, did you see the Uber one? No. Do we have the Uber one by any chance? Uh, do we, can we play a little bit of it? There's not enough time for the whole thing, but listen to this at Uber. I'm Dara Khosrowshahi, Uber's new CEO. Since joining nine months ago, my priority has been to listen to you, to cities and communities, I, I, and to my own employees. I think this is good, but I don't know, know if I good. buy any of it. Well, I, I don't I mean, buy any of it, yeah. obviously. Company, it's like, uh, you know, it's like yesterday after the big, uh, 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 you know, where, where the, apparently some cheesecake factories surrounded a black man and started you know taunting him because he was wearing a make america great again hat you know maybe you should applaud those, applaud those companies like cheesecake factory that were like what it was no big deal <laughs> we got a big menu look at that so we lynch a guy from time to time have you seen our new cheesecake this is the glenn beck program so uh, welcome uh, once again to the uh Fine dining of the Glen Beck Cafe. Where? Would you please pass the jelly? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, are, there are some good eating here today. Uh, there are some really good eating. And it's all on Seattle. And I want to thank Seattle for that. Uh, because uh, it's just, it feels good. It just, it just feels good. And uh, not for the reason that I think most people in Seattle would think. Uh, you know, they've, they've done some crazy things, you know, the 15, you know, $15 uh, hour wage, which is killing business. In yep. Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I didn't even know that, that two years ago, uh, that they were, uh, that they were just so disgusted by Wells Fargo bank for being involved in the oil and gas industry that they, they just had to stop using them as this official Seattle bank. <laughs> And, what if uh, what is Wells Fargo? Were they? What do they say? Do you know back at the time? At the time, yeah, at the time they're trashing them. Yeah, at the time they said, while we are disappointed that the city has decided to end our eighteen-year relationship, we stand by ready to support Seattle with its financial services needs in the future. Now they haven't issued a statement. Now that Seattle is crawling back, and I don't know if that's because they're just they're better men than me. They're better women. They're better people. Uh, you know, they have more self-control, you know, or if they recognize that none of them have enough self-control to actually stand in front of a microphone <laughs> and go, yeah, yeah, Seattle came crawling back on its belly to us. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not sure what that is, especially when you hear, um, you know, especially when you hear from Olivia One Feather. Um, um, hmm? Olivia One Feather? Yeah, Olivia Onefeather. She was one of the people that was leading the campaign. Apparently, um, you know, you've been you've been a city setting the example to the world, and I look to you to do that now. When big, big cities such as this do the right thing, it sparks hope in the world because water is life. Oh, water is life. Yeah, water That's is right. life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Olivia Onefeather. Water no longer and, life. You know, I read this story and I read Olivia Onefeather, and uh, uh-huh. and I thought to myself, man, I miss Seattle. 
Oh, no, I don't at all. <laughs> and Seattle, you know why. Um, <laughs> Seattle's, uh, I think uh, many of our audience members there feel the same way. Yes, yes, they do. If you're living in Seattle, there is hope. There is hope. And let me give you some hope. I'm going to give you, uh, uh, I'm going to give you something uh, today from Dick's Drive-Ins. Now, if you're not from Seattle, you probably have never heard of Dick's Drive-Ins, but Dick's is a uh, is a an establishment uh, you know that's just making burgers and fries and stuff and really good and it's been around for a long long time. Now Dick's is run by his grandson. I'm not sure if Dick is dead or just retired, but long live Dick's. So I'm sure that I'm sure they're in Seattle. I'm sure they are much more closely aligned to Cynthia Onefeather than me. But I just want to point out. The common sense that is beginning to happen all around the country. And it is because the progressives have overplayed their hand, as they always do. And even people who are inclined to agree with them are like, okay, these people are nuts. So I saw a raw interview from, I think it was Como News, might have been King 5, and uh, they they were interviewing Dick's grandson, who seems like a really good guy and trying to do the right thing. So when they pass the head tax, it affects people like him. A drive-in. Listen. I live in the city of Seattle, and uh, we're standing in front of my grandfather's restaurant, and uh, Dick's Drive-Ins is really well known for doing charity, for paying good wages, for helping our employees treat this as their first job not their last job, and I'm getting a little frustrated watching a city that's increased its budget by 32% in the last four years, that's doubled the four. amount it's spending on homelessness, that doesn't really believe in doing anything that's trackable or has a good return on investment. You know, with Dick's Drive-Ins, we ran a program uh, with a lot of other businesses in the city of Seattle called No Child Sleeps Outside that helps Mary's Place. Mary's Place spends about $8 million a year have, running about 700 emergency shelter beds. The city is telling us in this plan that for $50 million a year for five years, we'll get 360 shelter beds. I mean, it's one of many things, but that isn't enough. They're saying we're going to get 1,500 affordable housing units, but we probably need 15,000 affordable housing units. Instead of mandating that the government's the only one who could build that, they could allow people to build buildings that are dorm-style housing hmm. for those who don't own cars. Hmm. To be really honest, this is a tax on high volume, low margin businesses like restaurants. And that's where it's going to put the most pain. And it's making restaurants like Dick's Drive-Ins think really strongly about, do we make our workforce more efficient? Do we give less money to charity? Or maybe we just don't be a business in Seattle. And I don't think Dick's is going... How could that be though? I mean... You know, let's be really honest. We're not going to build another Dick's Drive-In in the city of Seattle in my lifetime, in all likelihood. Uh, that's because the city of Seattle is making a very clear message that this is not where business is done. And they have no interest in having oh, an honest conversation about listen homelessness, this. having an honest conversation about the massive spending that's going on. We're the same size as Boston, but their city government spends $2 billion less. The issue isn't revenue. The issue is how this revenue is being spent and the type of city that we're building and whether we're building it for Seattle of old or the global amazing city that Seattle could be if we work together. And that's why this tax is so frustrating, because they 
forced us to make it about Amazon and how we all know Amazon can afford to pay whatever we want. I mean, Shama Sawant's on record saying she wishes it could be three times higher. And, and that's what's really frustrating, because this isn't about Amazon at all. This is about the 599 other businesses that provide entry-level jobs, that provide groceries, that provide opportunity for the citizens that live in this city. And really, they're trying to force on us this concept that growth is bad. Growth isn't bad if it's stewarded under good hands. And in fact, growth is the most important thing to all of us getting to a better place. But I think the city of Seattle is so panicked by the situation that they have at hand that they're literally trying to pass a law that can aggressively mitigate growth to give them an opportunity to catch their breath mm. and maybe come up with a solution. If the nearest largest head tax in the country is $50 and it's six times the nearest head tax, how is that a compromise? If let's say the business community comes out and says, please just give us a one-to-one -one tax credit. So let's say Dick's Drive-Ins, we can give our tax directly to Mary's Place, who we know will take this money and turn our $100,000 into a million. That wasn't even a conversation with anyone on the council and frankly, the mayor. And that goes back to how was the money being spent? And finally, in the end, we have a wonderful opportunity for a referendum. Six of our nine council members are up for vote in 2019. And I think the city of Seattle is going to send a pretty clear message wow. that maybe we've gone a little too far. Whoa, whoa. Now, this guy, he might even be a socialist. I don't know. I don't care. But listen to him. He's starting to talk common sense. He's like, look, let's just, you know, I started reading uh, Carl Sagan's book, The Demon Haunted World Again. I haven't read it since it came out in 1996, eight, someplace in that area. That book changed my life because it was all about the future and technology and saying, this is what's coming. And I'm telling you, you're not going to be able to survive it if you don't know how to think. It changed my mind. It started, it changed my life. It started the first real building blocks of reinforcing question everything, question everything. You need to go read that book from Carl Sagan, The Demon Haunted World. Parts of it, you're going to disagree with him. That's okay. Start teaching yourself how to question and think again. So anyway, here's this guy, and what is he doing? He might be on the opposite side of me, but I, he is my brother in this. Because he's saying, let's just look at the numbers. Mary's Place. $8 million a year, and they provide 700 beds. Seattle is saying we need $50 million for five years, and we will provide 360 beds. Simple math tells you that's the wrong way to go. People are beginning to wake up to reason because the pain point. There's a line in the Declaration of Independence that says, and I'm going to horribly butcher it, but it is it's basically, look, people are more likely to endure pain for a very long time. They will endure pain because it's what they know until that pain becomes so great that they can no longer stand for it, that they will say, you know what? The unknown is better than the known. But that takes a lot of pain. We're approaching that pain. We're approaching it. And the, the way the world and the way the people here in the United States are waking up, you know the only ones that aren't waking up? The governments and the media. 
They're the only ones not waking up. If I said to you, what do you think if they took a poll across all of Europe, what would the number one and number two problems be? Now, just looking at Europe from here. Now, you're not hearing any of this on the news, but just looking at it from over here, what would you say the number one and number two problems are? Uh, illegal immigration, right? Immigration and the changing of the culture, right? Right. Terrorism. Okay. All right. Let's see how right you are. Took a poll, all of Europe. Here it is. UK. Number one, immigration, terrorism. Yeah, well, they're, you know, they're just always white people that just hate all <laughs> people that are different. It's like a mini America with Donald Trump. Yeah, that's how it would be dismissed. That's how they are being dismissed. France, the enlightened France. Number one, immigration. Number two, terrorism. Germany, number one, immigration. Number two, terrorism. Greece, number one, immigration. Number two, terrorism. Denmark, now they're so enlightened. Number one, immigration. Number two, terrorism. Finland, now there's that perfect socialist. Number one, immigration. Number two, terrorism. Sweden, now they are really number one, immigration. Number two, terrorism. Poland, number one, immigration, number two, terrorism. Lithuania, number one, immigration, number two, terrorism. Italy, immigration, number two, unemployment. And that's because they are so close to collapse. That's the only exception? Yeah, Italy, only exception. And that's a very minor one, really. Yeah. I mean, that's, you could look at, I'll bet you number three would be immigration. Yeah. Because it's so directly tied in their minds, I'm sure, to unemployment. Mm -hmm. So who's not getting this? I'm telling you, Seattle, if you are somebody who lives, I don't even know what's, I don't even know what's totally Marxist now. I know when I live there, you know, common sense people still lived in Puyallup and Sumner and, and Tacoma. You know, it was still pretty normal. I don't know how much of the state is bat crap crazy yet, but Seattle, if you you live on common sense and and the words of Cynthia One Feather make you kind of laugh, you're going to love what's coming because all of those people who were on the edge, not Cynthia, she'll never wake up, not the Marxists that running the, but the people who were standing around who were like, I don't know, I mean, let's just give this a try. They're about to say, none of this works. This is insane. I think Seattle is going to send a very strong message. Very strong message. Ah, man, I got to loosen my belt. I have eaten so much good food here in the last 40 minutes. <laughs> I don't think I could have another bite. Oh, I don't know, sir. Would you like a little dessert? Eh? We have all seen the volatility in the stock market. One of the reasons the investors are becoming panicked is because of rising inflation. One of the few investments that um, thrive on inflation is gold. Now, I don't know if you saw what they were talking about, the Federal Reserve up in, in um, Illinois, but they're now talking about taxing another 1% on everybody's homes in Illinois. Another 1%. It's already the highest property tax in the country. 
and they want to add another 1%. And the reason why they want to do that is because the Federal Reserve says, well, you can't tax people more on their wages, so you might as well do it to their houses. Well, people start to default because I don't have another 5000 or $10,000. What do you, what? If you default on that, gee, who gets the loan? Oh, the bank gets the loan. And the bank is 100% not the Federal Reserve, right? Things aren't going to go well. And so eventually they will start to uh, print more money and they will buy more assets. You watch, it will happen. So what happens then? Well, Zimbabwe happens then. By the way, if you haven't called and gotten your Zimbabwe $10 billion note, you, you really need to. You just you bring that up. Bring that up to Seattle. Pay all, try, here, you know what? I'm going to pay everybody in my neighborhood. I'm going to pay all of their light bills for the next 10 years. It's a $10 billion note. It's not really worth anything because of inflation. Goldline is the company that I trust to help me hedge against inflation. Find out if it's uh, right for you to own gold or silver. It is for me and my family. 866-GOLDLINE. 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. Glenn Beck. By the way, you can find all that fine dining on Seattle at theblaze.com. There's some great stories up there you need to share with a friend. Speaking of restaurants, we've talked about important restaurant news uh, all hour. And I have this important update. All right. Uh, Taco Bell is trying to get a liquor license. That is fantastic. fantastic. If Taco Bell gets a liquor license, I will literally move into it. That uh, will abandon my family and go find the triple melt. (laughs) (laughs) Triple melt and vodka, please. They're trying to. But listen to this. The city voted uh, a 5-2 against giving them this liquor license. City commissioner uh, t- talked to the free Detroit Free Press. So that letting, letting Taco Bell serve alcoholic drinks didn't fit with the city's vision, and the official preferred to give licenses to locally managed local concepts. That's right. We have we a have vision of Detroit completely empty. Get rid of all those people. <laughs> and then it'll just be you and me and all of the liquor. <laughs> Glenn Beck. Quick. Funniest topic you can come up with. Funniest. Something that makes you laugh every time. I always, for me, it's cows. Think cows. Just think of a face. Just think of a face of a giant cow. Uh, It doesn't have to be a giant cow. It can be an actual size cow. But just think of a cow and try not to smile. Doesn't necessarily make you laugh, but it always makes you smile. Just think of the big cow. You're being the cows are funny. I uh, think cows are funny. I think yours. cows are funny. I think they just look funny. I think they are funny. Chick-fil-A has essentially built their business with that idea. Until you've, have you ever been surrounded by cows? I have not. I no. have been. No. They stopped being funny very fast. We didn't even know. We were out at our ranch and, and uh, you know, this is, when we, this is when we first like, we were coming in from New York City and we were like, we got cows. Hi, kids. Let's go out into the pasture and look at the cows. Well, we brought our dogs with us. Not knowing that cows look at dogs, big dogs like ours, like wolves. And all of a sudden, we're out there, and we notice that some of the cows are taking all the baby cows away. And the other cows are starting to surround us. And we're like, uh, okay, oh, okay, uh, kids, 
I think you should leave with your mom and quickly walk back to the house. And it was me and one of our security guys who was with us at the time. It's the only time. I don't know if I should say this, so I won't. But I'm glad I was packing heat. I'm glad I was packing heat. It was frightening. They, well, what were they going to do? Do they? Uh, they thought that we were. We thought that the dogs were wolves, and so they were protecting their young against the dogs, not against us. Mm-hmm. And so they were circling. We thought us, but it was the dogs. Uh, and soon as soon as we were like, okay, all right, we were surrounded, and we were just trying to back out. Tanya and the kids got out before it got really spooky, uh, and they were on the other side. And Tanya whistled for the dogs. And the dogs went, and I'm like, what are you whistling for the dogs for? The dogs are our only protection. What are you doing? And the dogs ran away, and all of a sudden, the cows relaxed. We're like, oh, my gosh. And then we talked to a rancher. He's like, yeah, dummy, this is why people from New York City don't have farms. (laughs) I will say, however, uh, the cows are the dumb ones here. Uh, humans are larger threats to you than than the wolves. Just so you're aware, uh, we find you. We just talked about about 25 fast food places. All of them serve you, <laughs> you stupid <laughs> morons. <laughs> yeah. Well, unless you're willing to shoot them in the head, which I wasn't, because they're very expensive. I mean, I just shot. <laughs> I just I shot down in the ground. Yeah. You know, like dance, cows, dance. They didn't care. Really, didn't care. They were like, oh, I don't know what that is. Makes a loud boom, but I'm going to stomp you to death now. Anyway, why are we even talking about this? Oh, funniest thing you can think of. Mm-hmm. Quick. If you're doing a comedy series, what's the funniest thing you can you can you could do it on? Quick answer. I, the thing I laugh hardest at is, is quick. comedians bombing. No. Funny. Think funny. Every universal funny. Oh, universal. Everybody funny, thinks yeah. it's someone a, falling down abortion. Come on. It's abortion. Oh, As anyone would tell you, that is the, there's nothing more hilarious than abortion. And that is the theory of uh, Roni Jiva and Margaret Catch. They're the brains behind a brand new show called Control Alt Delete. And they say it's an abortion comedy. <laughs> I just laugh thinking about it. And they're trying to normalize it. I mean, not comedy, abortion. According to uh, uh, to uh, Jiva, the idea started 10 years ago when she got pregnant and had an abortion, which is so funny. Every good comedy series right. starts with that storyline. Right. Mm-hmm. While at the abortion clinic, she observed a woman talking about, uh, you know, all of the abortions uh, that she had had. And Jiva says, looking back, I think I was really judgy. You know, I was thinking, oh, you're a monster. Um, but remember, in progressivist, uh, progressivism, judginess is one of the seven deadly sins. If it goes against the people who are making the doctrine, being judgy, judgy is strictly forbidden unless it's somebody who doesn't share your view about something like abortion. Then you can be as judgy as you want. Now, the show is fictional, but each episode... <laughs> Oh, man. Each episode. Think cows. Think cows. They're funny. Abortion, a scream. Each episode is based on real women's experiences about when they went and had an abortion. Yeah. (laughs) Including the abortion story of the show's co-creator. So Jiva and Catch. Jiva and Catch. Jiva and Catch. That's a show in and of itself. Say their goal 
It's just to make people laugh, and, and should, people shouldn't take hidden conservative conspiracy messages out of it, no. right? They actually say their goal, I'm quoting, is to normalize abortion and change the conversation around it, hmm. like the way Will and Grace allowed audiences to feel like they had a gay friend. Ironically, this abortion comedy series is available exclusively on Facebook. Now, the reason why I say that's ironic is because Facebook just shut down abortion-related ads in Ireland because they didn't want to unfairly influence the abortion referendum there. But in but in meantime, hey, don't miss another episode of The Abortors. <laughs> It's Thursday, May 17th. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You know, I'm pitching a show because, because honestly, let's, let's have a conversation about it. I am pitching a show to Facebook about killing newborns. And ones that you're really excited about. And then you got them and you're like, they're kind of scrunchy and ugly. And they cry all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the parents go in and smother them to death. It is going to, it's a yeah, riot. It. Yeah, the problem yeah. is it's too close to the plot of the show they've already approved. Oh. That, but that, if that catches on, yeah. they're going to want all these shows, you know? So we can do, we can do the aborters, then we can do... Oh, this is such a tip of the hat to comedy geniuses, too. We could call them the Smothers Brothers. <laughs> See, because they smother their children. Oh, man. I, oh. I, you know, I think you're in the same place as me on this, which is I have no problem with bringing comedy into really uncomfortable places like that. I, I me, you are, have a really dark sense of humor, very dark sense. Of but humor. I mean, you also, I think are uh, obviously think that abortion is one of the worst things humanity's ever done. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, a lot of times I think. You know, conservatives would be like, well, I don't think you should have comedy about that. I don't fall into that category at all. Like, you know, there has been World War II comedies mm-hmm. that have been very funny. There have been comedies about slavery that have been very... The worst things that humans well, have but, done to other yeah, humans right, but, but are a source of laughs at yes. times. However, they are either ironically pointing out that slavery is... The reason why it's funny is because they've exaggerated it so much... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a comedy device that they're making the point that slavery ain't cool. I mean, how did you how did you miss this? You know, Mel Brooks. Yeah. Mel the Brooks. Nazis, mm-hmm. uh, you know, springtime for Hitler. Right. It's clearly mocking the Nazis where where I don't agree with bringing something like this in is if it is, you know, for instance, if somebody decided to do a Nazi comedy, but it glorified Hitler and the extermination camps, I'd be against that comedy. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it should be off limits per se no, for anybody I, to go anywhere with comedy. But you I, can go, but you might not you enjoy it, right? I mean, I think because I think what, I think what we respect. do now with progressives is mm. every time we have, the, you know, it's, it's amazing that the progressives are the one that would do something like this because they are banning comedy on almost every topic everywhere else, including you know, hard left wing comedians are being shamed for making jokes that are not even offensive constantly. 
And and the that those lines shouldn't be. You, no. There shouldn't be lines no. when it comes to comedy because the darkest places are often the funniest. The funniest, and also the places where you do maybe learn something and 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 come up with a uh, you know with a new observation th- I, or understanding. There is nobody that. There is nobody that I have ever heard that have, has done, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Louis C.K. did abortion yeah. comedy. Mm-hmm. And it was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was on the other side of the abortion uh, equation. Then the, I think, the, where, you know, where this show is going to be, you know, for Facebook. He was kind of like, ah, you know, <laughs> let's think about that for a minute. Um, but it wasn't in your face. Um, but it was, you know, it was funny. Um, however, an entire show built around an abortion and every week is a different abortion and it's, it's goal is to normalize abortion. I think is, I mean, we don't need Goebbels. We don't need him. Well, it's because I guarantee the stuff that they're going to be doing with the Facebook money is going to be better than the stuff that they did in Nazi Germany. Uh, you know, oh, I don't when know. it comes to quality, I mean, I guess it's a different era because yeah. they did. I mean, some of the stuff they did was visually amazing, right? For the time, the, some of um, the stuff, some of the stuff that Goebbels did was was brilliant. You you watch it, and if you put yourself in that time, in that place. And you're already prone to that. You could see how that worked. I mean, because I don't have a problem with almost all of the story, to be honest with you. I don't have a problem with them even trying to normalize abortion. I disagree with the idea. Let's see if we as a series. Right. I like I had a, you know, a show Wonderful World of Stew. We did comedy on abortion. The point of it, the point of it, the reason we did it was to try to make people understand that in a different way and look at how bad abortion was. Yeah. Right? So, so uh, I have no problem with, with executing your, your ideology or belief system through comedy. The issue is I'm sick of the left denying they do it. Because we have so many times they are on record saying our goal is X, Y, and Z. And then when you come up when you're like, gosh, it seems like they're pushing an agenda with us. Like, oh, come on, you you conservatives. How pathetic is it that you guys see all these magical messages behind our shows? We would never. By the way, no one can smoke in any of these movies. That's That would be, we're going to make it PG-13 if anyone smokes because that's going to influence children. But we got, we're not trying to influence you. We're not trying to change the culture at all. So, you know, what's funny is I, I see that point um, and, you know, hats off to them for actually uh, admitting, admitting that that is their goal. Um, the problem that I have with this is Facebook's involvement. And only because Facebook is currently editing Oh, we we don't we don't want to have any pro-abortion stuff on because it might influence the election. But you're gonna you are paying for a series glorifying abortion. I'm so sick of them talking about hate speech. I'm so sick of being lectured by everybody who has access to a an outlet. I am so sick of the Southern Poverty Law Center trying to tell everybody who's a bad guy and who's not a bad guy, and they're going to be the judge of all of it, while at the same time, they're hiring somebody to do this show for Facebook. You want to put on a- another show that is the opposite of that? That is not necessarily a comedy, but actually shows what abortion is? Okay. But I guarantee you that if you try to put something like that onto YouTube, you will be banned. So, 
And that's the problem, right, with YouTube and, and the way that they're doing this. Because uh, I, I don't, I, there is a a real problem because you don't know as a conservative what to do. You know, I mean, there was a, there's an argument a few years ago that was, do we create our own thing? Do we have a conservative Twitter, a conservative Facebook? Nope. And I think the argument was won by people who said that. Nope. No, we're going to go in there and we're going to mix it up and we're going to get our ideas in front of everybody. And I think that's the right instinct. But what we learn now is we've invested all of our resources in getting our voice out on these platforms. And now these platforms are going to edit us so, and, and, and silence voices, potentially. Here is the problem. You cannot get enough money, big money, to invest in it. Even if it makes money, they have so destroyed all of the avenues to make money. And no one is going to, you know, how are you going to get somebody to invest? I need you to invest $100 million. Well, what's my exit? Well, there is no exit because we're going to build something that is going to change the world. Yeah, okay, that sounds neat and everything, but I need an exit. I need to be able to make money on my $100 million. No, well, you're probably going to lose it because no Time Warner is going to step up and buy this for a billion dollars. And so because there are no buyers, it will not be worth even your investment. They've destroyed the free market system for conservatives. And on top of that, conservatives do not want to get out of the water. You cannot you cannot just make a void and say, we're just going to take all of our stuff over here. First of all, we suck at entertainment. We suck at it. We suck at art. We suck at comedy. We suck at entertainment all around the board. We suck at it. Look at we we celebrate when we're like, we got Tony Danza. Okay. well, they got all the artists. They have most of the talent and nobody seems interested. I mean, I was just in L.A. and a guy said to me, I have to show you this. I just got an email from a friend and there was a picture attached and uh, he said, uh, don't tell anybody, but I have to share this with somebody. Look, I was just with him. Open it up. It was me. He was doing work for me while I was out there. And this other guy laughed and said, uh, uh, he wrote back and he said, okay, don't tell anybody, but look at this. I've been with him since Sunday. Okay. And I said, what the hell is this? (laughs) And he said, Glenn, we can't tell. He said, this is a good friend of mine. We don't tell each other that we're doing anything with anybody from the right because we will be blackballed. We will never work again. So nobody takes a picture. If you take a picture, he said, I took a picture. The last thing I'm going to do is just share that with friends, post that someplace. I'm done. Well, how are you going to grow in that? How are you going to grow in it? You cannot retreat. You got to go right into the belly of the beast. You have to. It's the only thing. And you have to find where there's an opening and go in and go in full throttle. By the way, George Soros, did you see last year George Soros said, there's no money to be made in cryptocurrencies. I, the last thing I do is uh, crazy. invest in crazy things like mm. cryptocurrency. Then, when the cryptocurrency market crashed after he said that, he said, 
I'm authorizing uh, my uh, investment firm, uh, $25 billion in cryptocurrency. Oh, 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 wow. Thank you, George. Maybe that'll start in, in institutional investors starting to get interested in uh, investing in cryptocurrencies. The venture capital business founded by the Rockefeller fan, uh, family, Venrock, is getting now into cryptos. The Rockefellers have rumored net worth of one trillion dollars. And uh, they've made a fortune investing in new tech early, including Apple and Intel. The Rothschilds are also getting into cryptos. Goldman Sachs is going to be working with cryptocurrencies. Oh, it's all the Jews. All the Jews are getting into it. What do they know? Well, here's what these big investment firms know. Um, there's a future in cryptos. No matter what you think. You don't argue with the people who have a lot of money and who put their money in it. So how do you do it? Is it a good idea? Which ones? It's so complex. It's why we put together this new crypto master course. It's the smartcryptocourse.com. You go there. It's going to teach you all of the ins and outs. It's going to teach you everything you need to know. And it was designed because we request we requested um, Tiko Tawari to 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 put together a course that's just the basics 101. Take this course now, smartcryptocourse.com. Do yourself a favor and see the future. smartcryptocourse.com or call 877-PBL-BECK, 877-PBL-BECK or smartcryptocourse.com. How do you figure out if you have a good real estate agent? Well, you know it certainly as you go through the process, because once you get halfway through and everything's getting screwed up all the time, you you have a you have that moment of, oh, my gosh, I've signed a contract with this person. It's terrible. If Can you imagine if they had something like real estate agents? I trust dot com for car salesmen or, uh, you know, servers at restaurants, then you'd really know where to go. You can just go and say, I'm going to get the best service here. Realestateagentsitrust.com fortunately actually does exist. You can go to the website. You can look at uh, their list of agents. There's over 1,200 all across America. And these are people who have gone through a rigorous and probably very annoying for them process uh, of having to make sure they've proved that they are one of the best real estate agents in the country. You should be hooked up with one of them when you're buying or selling a house. If you need to sell a house fast and for the most money, or if you're looking to buy, go to realestateagentsitrust.com and you'll be introduced to the best agent in your town. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Glenn Beck. Addicted to outrage. Yes, addicted to outrage. Hi, kids. It's time to talk about something new that you can be outraged about because we're all. Hit it again. Hit it again. Addicted to outrage. That's right. Top of the charts today. The hostile design movement. The hostile. That's right. Architecture is hostile. Like you're talking like they're building like HH Holmes house. No, right. Like no, it's city plan. Come on, don't pretend. (laughs) Don't play around. You know exactly what this is. Unless you don't, unless you've never heard of the hostile design movement. Yes, there is something to be outraged about. And, you know, you may laugh now. Hostile design. Architects are engaging in hostile. Oh, yeah, it goes deeper than that. And uh, you will have something today that you can take and you can just seethe over. When we come back, the the latest from the progressives, hostile design. Hmm. 
You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Addicted to outrage. I don't know how you're feeling today. Maybe you haven't had your uh, your hot steaming cup of outrage yet, but the progressives have found something else for us to be addicted to today and feed that outrage and start tweeting about it and Facebooking and calling each other names. And that is the hostile design movement. Yes, you may not have noticed it, but somebody did. And that has all brought us to the point where we can all be addicted to outrage. I can't, and, and, and case, in case you don't know what hostile crime is, it is the designing of public spaces to be uncomfortable uncomfortable especially as an affront to unhoused humans making it more difficult for someone to rest safely and comfortably in uh, public spaces unhoused humans uh, yeah, unhoused humans that would be the you have a problem with unhoused humans uh, is that a new word for homeless people or? it is the correct terminology we don't have <laughs> houses so we are unhoused humans and i would like to talk to you about the the anti-homeless sleeping bars first of all there are no bars involved in it at all but they are incredibly uncomfortable and they are all over the united states and you bastard don't do anything about these anti-homeless sleeping bars so people put bars on benches so people don't sleep on them like they're because they're not supposed to sleep on them and people are complaining that the bar is there not it makes it uncomfortable to sleep on a park bench they're not designed for people to sleep on and that makes it uncomfortable for me to sleep on there's no place to have my drink a little bit my remote control i don't play i need a little occasional little table and occasionally i'd like that table to be a chair and there is no place for it this is actually what the mm. website says hostile design are d- designs against uh, hu- uh designs against hum- um humans huma- humanity designs against humanity They are made specifically to exclude harm or otherwise hinder the freedom of a human being. Quite often, they aim to remove certain sections of a community from public space. The about section reads, this site exists to provide a platform to raise awareness around hostile design, empower you to name and shame those people involved in it, and create a living archive of hostile design around the globe. Ultimately, the idea is through awareness, we can dissolve prejudice, influence planners and city councils and create more inclusive, welcoming public space for everyone. Like, I'd love to pitch my tent on the beach. I love it. I, I think Santa Monica is a beautiful place. And I'm so glad that another city gave me a bus ticket to Santa Monica to pitch my tent because I'm with my buddies. <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, what, what? What's next? There, they have invaded everything. What is next? I, it really is amazing. You're talking about legitimately. You're not. It's not like it's something you're supposed to do, and they're being hurtful towards people who are trying to. You know, if they're trying to spend some time walking to lay in the down park, and sleep in the right, park. That's not what you're supposed to do, right? And the fact that they don't want people. Like they, I've seen it too with um. Uh, entryways of doors well they'll, they'll make it so it's uh, it would be uncomfortable to sit down in an entryway of a door well that's, that's not what a door's for 
doors to walk through. Right. Well, that's what, what businesses use it for, at least. Uh, the, uh, is it hateful or is it just, uh, I mean, look, if people won't listen, the what Indians, do you do? The Indians didn't have doors. Let's say that right now. <laughs> that's a great point. I think you've nailed it. I heard that from Cynthia Onefeather. Well, let's say hello to uh, Pat Gray. Hello, Pat. How are you? Hello. And you today are outraged because Pat is always addicted to outrage. Yes, addicted to outrage. Uh, Pat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I noticed you're trying to change the subject from the outrage that should be directed at you today. You notice that? I Stu? have. I have. Uh, it's Stu. pathetic. Well, he was. Stu I was mean, avoiding. Stu was avoiding the uh, mm. the hostile design. What am I avoiding? Yeah, uh, you know what you're avoiding. <laughs> He's just. It finally. It well, it took Alex Jones uh, to <laughs> get to the bottom of who you are and what oh, you're all yeah. about. Right. Mm-hmm. What you're right. all about. Right. Mm-hmm. Finally. So, uh, it, this is a fascinating thing. Apparently, if anybody moves to Texas, they're moving in on Alex Jones' territory, and he's a little pissed off about it. That's yeah. weird because like millions of people are moving yeah. to Texas. Yeah, so, so you're talking a about a lot this, of people. If you ta- uh, are you talking about this thing that he did with with Ben Shapiro? Ben Shapiro and you. Yeah, and, yeah. And Ben. If, now I don't even know that he's moving to Texas, but no. But if he is. Uh, so that's a violation of Alex Jones's territory. Right. Now, ah. now here's the thing. If you watch this, was this not the most anti-Semitic? Terrifying. Oh, oh my God. Terrifying. Well, yeah, he calls him anti-Jesus and he doesn't believe that Jesus is God and they're atheist. Atheist. Yeah. He's, he's a Jew, right? He's not what? an atheist. What do you mean? And he's, and he's like, you don't come around here, boy, and infect us right. Christians, boy. Yeah. I mean it. It is. It's it is. It's really ugly. It's ugly. Really, really ugly. Um, and He's, but he does expose you in a way that I know you didn't want to be exposed. <laughs> uh, okay. He's he's talking about why it's important that we stop Ben Shapiro, and and you're obviously a part of it. Here's what he said. Here's why he's important. He's the next Glenn Beck. He's the next Judas Goat. Judas. He's Goat. the next guy to control mm-hmm. the Christian conservative movement. Just like Glenn Beck went and married a Mormon to get the Mormon money to have the Mormon cred. Right. Two years before he married that lady, he was a shock jock, praising abortion, <laughs> wait, calling up other talk show hosts. Can we stop hosts. for just a second? Wait, stop for a second? Wait, wait, There's a, a lot there. There's a lot So for me there. to control the mm-hmm. Christians, mm-hmm. you had to become I, Mormon. I had to become more. That's not. They'll <laughs> never see me coming. And, you had, to marry, yeah, you, and you had to marry a Mormon lady who, by the way, w- was Catholic at the time. So it was really <laughs> stealthy on your part. right. Really, really. It wasn't, uh, and <laughs> I don't think I have ever gotten a dime of Mormon, Mormon money. I, money. I can't. And, and Mormons when you, are too smart <laughs> to give me their money, I think. <laughs> when you marry a Mormon, though, does that entitle you to the Mormon money? Is it that easy? It is that it easy. It is. Yes, if, you're coming is. In, if you're coming in, no, if you're coming in and you're going to... You're con- coming in late. You're coming in late and you're going to control the Christians. Okay. 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 I so, came in with a plan. All right. So I said, look, I'm going to take this woman <laughs> off your hands. And they're like, she's she not even on our hands. She's not on our hands. So, I said, yeah, but she will be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to take her off off your hands, and then you give me your Mormon money. Funnel all the Mormon money to I you, will control and you control Christians. the Christians. So, okay. so your theory was to control the Christian conservative movement, you would first marry a Catholic, convert her to Mormonism, then have, because of that, she would have some connection to Mormon money 
They would then give you this Mormon money. And then you control the Christians. And then you control the Christian conservative movement. It's just that simple, Stu. It's that easy. It's just that simple. And then, just a few years before that, you were a shock jock who was... uh, Praising uh, abortion. abortion, I don't remember ever... Two years before that. had some knowledge in these areas. And so does Stu. I was was a conservative. Yeah, Yeah, I was working with you. Uh, uh, There was never a time, at least in my 30 years of knowing you that you were ever praising abortion no i was just like i'm pro-choice you know leave that up to everybody yeah. mm-hmm. you know and that was like that up to what 80s the 1980s yeah, the 80s? yeah. late 80s early Maybe 90s early 90s. i think your change happened around 90 91 92 yeah somewhere in that area <clears throat> but there was there's more easy oh, there's more oh, there's oh more. my gosh yeah, he's, he's got okay. judas just goat. like glenn beck went and married a mormon to get the mormon money to have the mormon cred mormon cred yep i can walk in any room and go yep i'm a mormon <laughs> bring me the root beer <laughs> and everybody <laughs> is putty in your hands oh my gosh that mormon oh cred gosh. worked for mitt romney like <laughs> that's why he's now the czar yeah. of is the western oh, hemisphere yeah. is it a unique uh, thing in the mormon church for someone to have married a, a mormon woman like i would think that that's a high percentage no, it is of the mormons high high yeah, but i wasn't is. mormon either neither of us neither were you of you were mormon neither when you got married baptized on the same day yeah. as it were yeah. uh, so, we were we were uh, both course, at the do. wedding right and right. so it was not even it was not at a mormon church yeah uh it was uh in it was at yale yeah it was uh, so and then you went later on your sort of church tour yeah mm-hmm. well no 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 we were married but we weren't a f- you know we weren't fully mormon yet we had just been baptized because right. if you got right. baptized so you had- right before january 1st you get all the money <laughs> oh really yeah you oh i've it. said too much now yeah, so she was really not mormon when it. you met her no but you made sure to convert her before you no, got I married didn't convert her. she converted before i did <laughs> her mother about crawled over the table when i asked her hand in marriage and she said she is not going to become a mormon because of you and i said i'm with you on that tell her <laughs> now did you so but at that point did you convince her because you're like what well, but we'll get all the access to all the mormon money and well, that we'll was control, the final. Thing. We'll that was the, the final thing, yeah. And the conservative movement, which yes, because the easiest right. path diabolical to okay. the to to most Christians is through Mormonism. Through Mormonism, yeah. because, that's because you the, have they so love much. Mormons. Because <laughs> you have the cred, <laughs> Mormon cred. Okay, yeah. got it. Right. Right. Okay. It's a little confusing to me. All right, go so ahead. Here's the rest. Two years before he married that lady, oh, he geez. was a shock jock, praising abortion, hmm. calling up other talk show hosts, saying, "I heard your wife had a miscarriage. Thank God." I mean, he was a horrible demon. Good God. He worked in more than 20 markets. Uh, I know people that know Beck very well. He is, you give him the wrong pen, he screams and yells at you and fires you. He's just a monstrous, story. very neurotic uh, person. I mean, there's some and he truth. believes he's like a Messiah. <laughs> he's also got a lot of foreign I mean, money okay, and funding Okay, this party he's in. got right. You got foreign money coming in, too, which is really foreign cool. Foreign money? Foreign money. Oh, wow. He's you on didn't that. say anything. Uh, yeah. I didn't Never think said. it would ever be yeah. exposed. <laughs> I've got <laughs> billions of Canadian money coming in. Really? Oh, <laughs> uh, the Canadian money is But crazy. it's only worth about 89 cents American. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of sucks. So they gave me a billion dollars, <laughs> and I'm like, that's that's 500 grand here. Uh, you know, I need a billion. The the story about calling up some other DJ and is not true. being glad is that is not true. Completely untrue. It came from that uh, Alexander Zychik book. Yep, not the, true. The guy that just made up out of whole cloth yep. about 80 stories about yep, you. Not true. Uh, he's the same guy that says you were arrested in your DeLorean on your way to work in Baltimore, which never happened. I mean, I was there. 
I know this didn't happen. Well, I do have to make a confession. <clears throat> oh, no. Okay. I do have to make a confession. Well, good. Let's get it out. Uh, well, a couple of things. First of all, right. all, on that particular story, yes, I did own a DeLorean. Yes, you did. I was that <laughs> yes. stupid. Okay? But I was young, and I've learned since then. But it only overheated about every block and a half. <laughs> yeah, right. It so was a perfect car a for a car. Uh, other than that. Uh, and the other thing I want you to know. Um, while I've never done those things, I need to be very clear. I've never done those things in this timeline. But there are other timelines where I have done that and much more. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Yes. yes. Now, do you, ah. is, is, did you visit the other timelines in no, your DeLorean? I personally have not been to those <laughs> oh, okay. other... This Glenn has not been to those other timelines. Right. But on other timelines, <laughs> you should see what I'm doing. Yeah. You should see what I'm doing. Uh-huh. It's, mm. it's, it's I, grotesque sure. in some, monstrous in some. In some, <laughs> I am the savior. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but this one, nope. No, okay, you didn't do that one. Yeah. Can you be held accountable for the other timelines? Well, timeline? I will tell you, I've, I've, I've been having some uh, therapy with somebody who's working me through some of the issues I've had because I was horribly abused by my daddy uh, on one of the timelines. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, okay. And some <laughs> of that residual um, daddy thing you know, is mm-hmm. permeating this timeline. So I'm I'm having some work <laughs> wow. done on that. Although right. dad was totally fine here. Yeah. In the other timeline, dad was a monster. Uh, wow. Yeah. And wow. I didn't realize this until I started paying somebody who's showing me all of these things. Did he's admitted he's done it in other timelines. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. He will believe that. He will. He will, he will believe that. That is an expose coming yeah, he soon. he will. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just glad wow. we finally exposed it. Did you pay for the therapy with the Mormon money that's funneled to you because you married the Mormon woman? Uh, again, not in this timeline. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Thanks, Pat. Pat Gray Unleashed, available uh, anywhere you can get your podcasts. <laughs> Watch out for the link sh- being sent via <laughs> Facebook Messenger. All I wanted to put is HSH on the end of every S word. Uh, I can't. That's all I want to do. According to a leading cyber security firm, <laughs> they may contain Facebook worm malware. I mean, S's are common letters. Imagine being a broadcaster that can't say the letter S. How difficult that would be. For all the heat we give Alex Jones and all the crap we give him, yeah, he's overcome a lot. This one, this one, this one is hysterical. Um, <laughs> if you click on the malware link, you're going to be taken to a fake page, a fake YouTube page, which will try to get you to install a browser extension, and there it will steal your password. <laughs> Cryptocurrency funds such as Bitcoin, um, use of personal computers for crypto mining—it's really bad. There are a lot of threats to um, to today's connected cyber world, and it takes one weak link for the criminal to get in. That's why the new LifeLock Identity Theft Protection will add the power of Norton Security to help you protect against the threats. You're not off the hook yet uh, to your identity and your devices that you can that you're just never going to see. And then how do you fix them? If you have a problem, they have the agents that will work to fix it. 
Nobody can stop all cyber threats, prevent all identity theft, or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But the new LifeLock with Norton Security is able to uncover the threats that you might otherwise miss. So go to LifeLock.com or call 800-LIFELOCK and use the promo code BECK for an additional 10% off your first year. That's promo code BECK at 1-800-LIFELOCK or LifeLock.com for an additional 10% off. Well, this has been a fun show today. (laughs) We've had great, great uplifting news out of Seattle. (laughs) um uh, that is just fantastic if you missed any of the show you 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 really need to hear and we never got to this i got a cnn news alert on my phone yesterday cnn news alert yeah it's got to be important got to be important and it was um how uh, what what is the correct etiquette if you're a non-muslim for ramadan oh Um, i saw that yeah i i've i we have to go over this uh tomorrow like you're allowed to eat in front of muslims but don't schedule a work lunch with them Oh, that is so offensive that you didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness we have CNN because I have their, you know, etiquette for Christmas. Oh no, for you Christians. don't. No, you don't. No, I don't. No, you don't. I, no, no, I. No, you're, they didn't publish you're not that. Glenn, no. Back. Mercury.